Welcome to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you can find links to our social media accounts. Led by Pastor Mike Deese, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Now presenting this week's message. I think it's kind of appropriate if you, uh, uh, as, as we come to look at uh, our passage today, we're continuing a series in our series um, uh, of First Peter. And the, the series titles, Everything to Live For. And God wants to remind us that no matter what you're experiencing going through, that we have everything to live for when we come and acknowledge Him as our Lord and Savior. So today we're going to pick up in that uh, with a, a message that's titled, A Better Way to Live. There's, no, there's not a PowerPoint today or, or, or even notes. If you want to write down on something, uh, just grab your uh, neighbor's arm or whatever the case is. But I think it's really appropriate as we come to this particular passage in First Peter chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, turn there with me. And if you don't, you just raise your hand. Steve's in the back and he'll get you a, a Bible right there. And uh, we'll look at this together. First Peter chapter 3. It's throughout this particular book that the um, Peter is, is speaking to a group of folks that uh, is really going through a very difficult time. These are new believers. These are new uh, followers of Jesus Christ. And because of their faith, they're not only facing opposition, but they're being persecuted. And, and, and they're crying out going, what do, what do we do? And so Peter begins by just saying, listen, this is, this is what you've been created for. This is God. This is who God really is. And His purpose and design for your life is to know Him. This world, guys, is not your home. You're sojourners in this world. And uh, like them, I, many times we just, we go, this is what I know. This is, this is the life I know. And we adapt to it. And we begin to set our standards based on uh, this world and the culture in which we live in. And yet he was coming to encourage them and saying, listen, you know, yes, you may be facing all of this opposition and this persecution. But I want you to understand uh, that you have a home in heaven. You know, and, and I'm sure that they were going, yeah, but what does that do for me right now? And, and he's encouraging them by saying, it does everything for you. You still have everything to live for right here, right now, because what you're going to do is bring glory to God as you press into the relationship. And so it's very clear that uh, what Peter's espousing is not religion and not a bunch of rules, but he's encouraging them in their relationship with a living Lord, a living Savior. And, and, and so he then begins to tell them, you know, here's what you need to know that God has done for you. And this is who you truly are in Christ. And, and it was revolutionary for that particular time uh, because all of a sudden what is being heard is that you are not who you make of yourself, but you have a whole new identity because of who you are in Jesus Christ. Who you belong to changes everything. Who you belong to changes so much. Have you seen, have you seen that you have modeled some of the traits uh, from your parents? You know, and it's just because you were there. It was a product of your environment. You're just kind of living there. 
And, and, um, and so he's taking that same principle and he's saying, listen, I want you to know that you are God's. And that as you have trusted Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, uh, you now have His identity. You have a whole new identity. You Christ in you, the hope of glory. So it's an amazing thing. He's encouraging me. He's saying, this is who you are. You are precious. You are holy. You are, you've got uh, all of this going for you. And then he gets, uh, gets into uh, chapter 2 and he's saying, and as a result of who you are, this is how you should live. This is how you should live. And, and yet he brings into a word that uh, we recall against sometimes in our culture. And it's this whole word called submission. What do you think about it? Is, is it a positive thing or a negative thing when you think of submission? Hmm? Uh, are y'all, okay, let me say this clearly. Yeah. Now, I mean, you know, you think, in, in our, especially in our culture today, you know, we are in an independent-minded, you know, people culture. And it's all about me and it's all about now and, and it's about you know, me getting what I need, what I think I need in my life. And yet it's all in this particular book and we see it throughout the Bible. We see that the Bible speaks with one voice when it comes to this whole idea of submission. And, and that's, what, that's what Peter's talking about. This quality of submission. And so, you know, I, I, was, I was trying to, I said, let me just look up some positive meanings because I know that in our culture it has a lot of negative connotations to it. And it's been misused and misinterpreted and all that kind of stuff. And, and as I was kind of looking through the uh, computer, you know, through the, this Word document uh, database, uh, I, I didn't really get any encouragement because the words that came that I saw that were related to when, it, when we use the word uh, submission, is passive, compliant, acquiescent, subservient, dutiful. Wow. So, obviously, this word, as we look at it in God's word, is uh, dealing with an image problem. So we want to spend some time today and, and take a look at that. So would you read with me? We're going to begin with 1 Peter chapter 3. And again, it's, it's an appropriate because as these two families have come and acknowledged that Jesus is the way, that we're dependent on God, uh, that we see God in His Word provide guidance as far as how we should live. Because you see, the number one priority uh, for Carson and Tess and Rachel and Chet is not to, to be God, you know, is to you know, raise their children right or anything like that, but it's to love God. To love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's their number one priority is to love God and to seek God, and then He will begin to reveal the rest of us. So we can get tunnel vision. We can begin to focus, oh, what I need to do? And God says, love me first. Seek first the kingdom of God. So important. Here's what Peter says. He says, wives, verse 1, in the same way, and we'll come back to that, Why? in the same way, be submissive to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. 
For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considered as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, let me just hit the pause button real quick before we pray. There are a lot of there are a lot of uh, connotations in here and there are a lot of buzzwords in here that uh, gets a lot of folks all stirred up. But here's what I'm asking for us to do is number one, God, show me what you want me to know and reveal to me the truth in this. Don't let me get sidetracked by a cultural definition or the cultural yik-yak of what this really means. You reveal to me the true meaning of this that I may follow you in all my ways. Let's pray for him. Jesus, uh, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your faithfulness in bringing us to this particular place to where we can just sit at your feet. Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear. We're asking for that right now. I'll remove the filters, uh, maybe any stinking thinking that goes along with that. And let us just hear what it is you want us to know. If for some of us who have come up, Lord, in maybe a legalistic where this, some of this stuff was abused, God, just free us from that so we can encounter you today. And remember, you're not trying to give us a bunch of rules to live by. You're, you're inviting us into a relationship that's filled with your love, truth, and grace that we may experience freedom. Lord, we just pray for that today. Through your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so here's a definition, now, kind of a working definition that we'll use for this word submission uh, as, as we think about this particular passage. Uh, it's courage to reject self-centeredness and work for the good of others. Courage to reject self-centeredness and work for the good of others. So... What, what he is showing us in this passage and really what he's showing us throughout this whole passage and what God's Word always shows us is a better way to live. Now, we've got, we've got these bumper guards as far as our culture in telling us how to live. You know, how a ma marriage should function and what's, what's okay as far as uh, sex is concerned, what's okay as far as children are concerned. And, and it's just in our face all the time. And yet God is coming in and he's saying, I, I love you and I'm providing you with my truth to show you a better way to live. And, and when you think that you've got to muster up this stuff to make your way, he's going, I'm going to show you a better way of live. Because here's the deal. When we have to depend on ourselves, when we are looking out for number one, we begin to find out that that was the cause of the very first problem that resulted in the fall of man and sin. And so he's saying, don't do that because that gets you in trouble. Look to me, lean on me, allow me to be the God that I am in your life. So there are ba three basic ways to live. My way, which is what? Selfish. You know, selfish. You don't know any selfish people, right? You know, I've told many, many folks, and you've heard me say this before, you know, um, 
you know, I, I was uh, in uh, in seminary and almost through with seminary, been all this theological training, and I still was single and, uh, you know, was looking, you know, for a wife. And, you know, I was thinking, man, I'm going to be a great catch for some gal. I'm going to be a great catch, you know. And uh, then I met Felicia. We got married, and it wasn't that long before I just realized, you know, how deceived I was and how selfish I was. It's in marriage, the context of marriage and family, that a lot of this stuff's worked out. And most of us live our lives just continuing to look out for number one, my way, selfishness. There's another way, that's God's way, which is unselfishness, our submission. That's what, a better way to live is a life full of submission. We kind of, again, don't, don't let the definitions that have crept into culture come in and taint that. So it's my way, God's way, our other's way. That's subjective. You know, when we're subject, I can live my way doing what I want to do because I want to do it. And that means that, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to do what's best for me. I can live other people's way and that's doing what they say because I want to make them happy. I'm, I'm just, I'm doing it because I think I've got to in order to accomplish. And so we can look at our lives and just say, Lord, show me any way that I'm living my way. Show me any way that I'm uh, uh, living others' way. I'm doing this because I feel compelled to, trying to make them happy, you know, being a little bit of a people pleaser. But then the Bible helps us to understand that that God's created us so that we can live God's way. God's way. My way, you know, my way of being a tiger, you know, I claw my way to the top. Others' way, being a turtle, you know, I hide in my shell, let people throw stuff at me, and I feel like a victim all the time, you know, and I'm just going to poke my way through life. But neither of them work. And so as we come to this particular passage, God is just reminding us, you know, just He's given us freedom through submission. Submission. I want to just say a couple things as we look at this particular passage. Because it, I don't know if your Bible says this, but it says wives and husbands. At the top of it, you know, right before it jumps out, wives and husbands. But this is not just true for wives and husbands. It's true for all of us. Uh, the principles and the truths here are true for all of us. A better way to live is that of submission. He's already said that. He's already said that in the previous two chapters. Living lives of submission. And our prayer should be, God, just show me if I'm bucking up against you in any way as far as this. Show me where I'm not because it's there that I'm missing out on God's way. God, I'm missing out on your way. Uh, let me just say a couple things about wh what it's not. You know, when it's saying wives in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. You know, it's not, it's not speaking of male domination. You know, it's not speaking of male domination, and you know, at all. And as a matter of fact, uh, everything that we find in Scripture is, is saying that we are to live selfless lives and that God has created us equally. So, it's not, you know, in, in no way gives way to that. In no way is it saying, that, you know, that men are superior. <laughs> yeah. In no way. You know, in verse 7 right there, it says... And the, and the last part of it, it says, they are heirs with you in the gracious gift of life, as it's talking to the husband. Uh, the Bible also tells us in Galatians 3 that where Paul is saying, hey, there's neither uh, Jew nor Greek nor slave. He said, we're all one in Jesus Christ. 
So what is espousing is really the equality that we have and the value of every single life. So it's not talking about that. Uh, and, and I know, I know that in a lot of religious circles, and this is, this is where a lot of people are kind of opposed because, you know, religion makes people mean. It can make people mean. That's the reason God says, I didn't come to make you just religious or to, uh, to give you some rules. I came for you to have a relationship with me, a living Lord. I want you to follow me. And there's a lot of people that have tried to use teachings like this in a sinful and abusive way. And that is not at all what God is, what God is saying. It's saying that God has set up structures uh, for us so that we can function while we're here on earth. Number three, it's not talking about just blind compliance. Just blind compliance. Like, you know, just blind compliance. No, because we see in uh, Acts chapter 5 where Peter and the apostles are come and they brought before uh, uh, the powers of being and uh, they said, you got to stop. you got to stop sharing this gospel. And what did they say? Uh, listen, we've got to obey God rather than men. So here's, here's just a couple of caveats as far as this. You know, as we look at this particular passage, you know, what Paul is, is drawing our, I mean, what Peter's drawing our attention to is, is that he wants us to understand that God cuts through culture, through our understanding of what, how we've always seen it or how we've done so that we could experience the freedom that he wants to bring into our life. And so he is saying here, uh, beginning, you know, wives, here's what I want you to do. I want you to acknowledge that I have established my purpose and my plan for your benefit because I love you. All right, so earlier in chapter 2, what did we see? What did he say? He said, I want you to submit to the authorities, to the government. Who was he talking about at that particular time? Rome. You know, it's like, I don't agree with them. You know, but look at the life of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus perfect, and he submitted to God the Father. You'd think that if you're perfect that you wouldn't need to submit, but Jesus submitted to God the Father. And who else did he submit to? He submitted to Rome. He was crucified. You know, that just makes our blood boil. But God says, hey, I want you to understand. I want you to understand that you find true life through submission. And we're going to understand a little bit more about that a little bit later. But he says, so I've established that. I've established it in the workplace. You know, slaves and masters, I've, I've established this order. And he's saying, you know, even in the homes, there's, there's an order. You know, and he said, I, I, want, I want wives, I want you to understand, I want you to be selfless. Ugh. How do you do that? I want you to not be selfish when it comes to your marriage. He says, in the same way, in the same way as what? Chapter 2. In all these other ways, be submissive. I'm saying a better way to live is be submissive. And you're going, if you only knew my husband. Well, look who he's talking to. Let's understand the context of this particular deal. In that particular day, there was just a great movement where a lot of people came to, to trust Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. There had been this religious happenings, but Jesus showed up, and now all of a sudden there was a, a lot of women... A lot of women who came into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, and I can, I can see why, because they saw a great need. Because at that particular time, what? Women were just simply an object. 
You know, they, they were, you know, just, they were owned, you know, by their husbands. And, and he's saying here, he says, I want you to be submissive to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. So there was just a culturally at that particular time, there was a whole lot of women who'd come to know Jesus. And he's saying, I want you to be selfless in this. I'm not, I'm not saying blind compliance. I'm not saying sit there and, and take any kind of abuse. No, no, no. No, no, no. But, I, but I, when it comes to, to your home, just, just be selfless. Not demanding your way. And it says, so that if any do, do not believe, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. So he was saying to them, you know, what we hear a lot, it's like, don't nag, don't nag. You know, let it be through your lifestyle. And sometimes we, you know, we can begin to understand if we are, if we are relying on ourselves or if we're relying on God by some of the things we do. You know, if you have an unbelieving husband and you're out there sneaking out to his car and putting his radio on Christian radio, you know, or just leaving the Bible there, you know, in his bed, you know, going, you know, I'm just, uh, who are we depending on right there? He's saying, hey, here, here's God's way. A better way is I want you to, I want you to get your fullness from, from the Lord and I want you to be separate. Why? Because God's got a purpose. God's got a plan. Uh, just two weeks ago, we saw this happen from a lot of us know when uh, a fella uh, that had been walking 70 something years with his hand against, you know, out going, I ain't no way I'm going to trust Jesus, who bowed his knee and accepted Jesus Christ uh, as his Lord and Savior. You know, older than 70 years old. A lot of y'all know him. Mark Feldman uh, came to know Jesus Christ. And there's been so much prayer, you know, and so much um, love, you know, that's been going into that. It's submissive, selfless. So he goes on to say right there, um, and when they see your purity and the reverence of your lives. So he's saying that change happens when what? Uh, when we try to force it? No, no, no. Uh, how's that worked out for you whenever you try to make somebody change? Doesn't usually work out very well. And so he's saying it comes whenever we are submissive to the Lord, yielded to the Lord, and let Jesus Christ be our lead in that. The most selfless person ever. He goes on to say right there in verse 3, now we again. Your beauty should not come from the outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. So, you know, again, if you're looking at this from a legalistic standpoint, you're going, okay, this is what I got to do. No, that's rules living. We bring this in the context of Scripture and understand what the original author had to say and then how does God, what principle does God want us to apply here? You know, we are depending on self whenever we try to get these things and we jerk them out and say, oh, this is the way you got to do it. And then so, okay, and there are religious people that say, you know, you can't wear fine clothes, you can't, you know, braid your hair, can't do this. You know, it's all this little rule stuff. And, and what he's really addressing right there is, he's saying, instead, it should be that of your inner self, verse 4, the unfading beauty 
of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of greater worth in God's sight. So at that time, you know, talking about the Romans, they, they had, um, you know, the, what were those back in the 50s? The bee, what was that, the beehive? So they had like the mega beehives, you know, the, the, the mega beehive. They were up there and they were a lot adorned with a lot of gold and all that kind. And it took them hours and hours and hours, if not days, to get this thing situated. They couldn't even sleep normal. By, by the way, I was doing some research on that. And you know what the uh, most popular color of, and they were a lot of wig, wig stuff in that. You know what the most popular color was? Blonde. How about that? Even in that day. All right, so he's saying, <laughs> they thought blondes had more fun. That's what they thought. <laughs> so he's going, guys, you know, and you know, we see this and we just kind of go, this is the way it is because this is, this, is, this is how culture defines it. This is how culture defines it. And so he's, he's saying to these, these women that have trusted Christ, he said, listen, it's not about this outward beauty. You spend a lot of time on that, but he says, I want you to spend time on the inward beauty because here's what he says. That's unfading beauty. Unfading beauty. Now, he's not, he's not saying don't take care of yourself and, you know, don't, all the, uh, you know, take baths and, you know, clean up and, you know, um, you know wear uh, makeup and all that. That's not what he's saying. He's saying I want you to focus to be on this unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is of great worth. That's kind of showing a dependence on God and a trust in Him. And then, and then he goes on to say here, and look at verse 5, he says, For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. And then look at this. They were submissive to their own husbands like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. In some translations, it's, and called him Lord. And you're going, see, that's just it. That's where this macho stuff comes from. No, no, no. He says, you are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. What's he saying here? He's going, um, in that particular culture, there was a way to show respect and show honor. And it wasn't because Abraham just had his act together, Right? You know, he's the father of our faith, but, you know, Abraham made some really stupid decisions that she went along with. Like, hmm, I'm kind of scared of these folks, and we're going to call you my sister so that they don't kill me. How selfish was that? So it's not, it's not saying, oh, I'm going to be submissive as long as they're making all the right decisions. But it's saying, don't follow them into sin, though. How do we discern? We've got the Holy Spirit under the leadership of His Word. And there are several times that we see in culture that it speaks about women and the roles of women and all that stuff. And it speaks with different voices and all that kind of stuff. And then we seek God on that. But what we do know is that there is one voice when it speaks from Old Testament to New Testament as far as we are one. There's no hierarchy. There's no deep valuing of that. We are one. Spiritually, emotionally, and every other way. But he said, here's, here's, here's the ticket to that. There are six verses here to women 
And these guys only get one verse? God, what are you doing? What? Again, we need to put it in cultural context. Cultural context. Seen as property. All of a sudden, now they're redeemed and they're forever a child of God. And he's going, God's going, I've got a purpose and plan behind this uh, to, to show my love to them so that they can come to know me. You go, but what about me in the meantime? God's grace. God's grace. Our loving Father. All right, verse 7 says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you in this gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. And we go, what is this? Weaker? No, 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 no. It's, it's, he's referring right there just typically, you know, that I probably, you know, as a man could probably... How many strong bodybuilders? He's just saying typically, you know, weaker physically and they like the upper body strength. He's going, you, you guys, you need to, you need to be protector. You need to fi find a sense of security. You know, what is one of the greatest needs of women? It's that sense of security. What is great need of men? Respect. Uh, God just kind of wired us up. And he's saying, husbands, in the same way, be considerate. Uh, but we've noticed there are several times in Ephesians that it's saying, hey, you submit to one another. You submit to one another. So it's a reciprocal kind of thing. But that actual phrase right there is saying that uh, I want you to understand your wife. I want you to know your wife. I want you to have knowledge of your wife. Any of y'all remember the five love languages, the book of the five love languages? Huh? Yeah. You know, and it says, you know, there's different ways we receive love and are shown love. You know, there's uh, gifts and, you know, flowers and, and, and uh, acts of service or touch or things of that nature. You know, we all have our love languages, you know. And, uh, you know, I figured out pretty soon that uh, for Felicia, my wife, that I could bring her flowers all day long. And she would go, OK, OK. But if I, you know, if I... <sighs> Uh, if what she really likes, well, I mean, she likes, I think she likes several of those things, actually, you know. Acts of service. She'd be like, please don't make me come home and the dishes are still in the dish. But if I did, if, you know, if I just do an act of service, she'd love that. I mean, love that. And if there's a good restaurant now, she really loved that, you know. Love that. So it's saying, you know, know your wives. With knowledge, get in there and understand your wife. And you always hear, you know, guys talking about, I will never understand women. I will never understand. So we excuse ourselves. God says, you don't have to understand women. You have to understand a woman. Start there. Study your wife. Invest in that. Get to know them. And uh, he's saying, that is your responsibility. Treat them with respect as heirs with you in the gracious gift of life. We both, we're, we stand level at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. And it says, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. He's saying that selfishness, if, you, you know, if, if you're kind of feeling like God's at a distance and your relationship is kind of suffering, start by looking, if you're married, start by looking at your relationship with your wife. There's a parallel right there. 
There's parallel right there. But I just want to get down to the bottom of this thing as we, as we look at this and go, that's some tough stuff. But here's where it comes. It says in that particular verse there, it says, do what is right and do not give way to fear. See, that's what stops most of us from, from living a life of submission. We're just like, I'm going to get taken advantage of. I'm not going to get to do what I want. He says, do not go there. Do not give way to fear. It's scary to be unselfish, isn't it? It's scary to be selfless. If, 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 if I'm selfless, I might lose myself. There's all kind of words and stuff that's going on out there. But the truth of the matter is, is that in order to, for us to ever overcome the fear of selflessness in our relationships, and in our life period, we need to know a love that is unshakable. If you know that there's a love that you are loved, you have freedom. And Tess mentioned it earlier, perfect love casts out freedom. And the bottom line is that love Starts with Jesus. It starts with Jesus. When we come to know Jesus Christ and His perfect love for me, it builds a foundation of strength and security that allows me to all of a sudden take on a life that's saying I'm others-minded and not selfish-minded. It's kind of harsh stuff because we live in a very, very selfish world. And... And it's easy for us just trying to hear some of this stuff and then go on. But the truth of the matter is, is that God is always at work. It doesn't mean, matter if you're 10, 40, 80. He's saying, I want to do something in your life to reveal myself and my love for you and my love through you. There's a better way to live. And it starts with Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father God, we just thank you so much for your amazing grace and your love. But right now, Jesus, even for our group that we have here, Lord, there's been all kind of messages, messages that we grew up with, stuff that we've always believed, and it's stuff that we're locked into. And yet, Lord, you are our teacher. You're the revealer of truth. And Lord, I pray that you would just wash away any beliefs or truths that has restricted us from knowing your love. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here today that does not know you and hasn't experienced your love, that they would take you at your word, that you've come, that they may have life and have it abundantly, and that they would just simply come and receive you. Lord, I pray that they would not give way to fear because it's in you that we have life. You tell us, Lord, that if we try to save our life, we'll lose it. But if we lose our life for you, we'll find it. Thank you that you are love. Lord, we just commit Lord, this day and our lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. 
you can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you'll find links to our social media accounts. We gather every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Tune in next week.